Smoking Guns Podcast. How are you doing? Man, the countdown's on. It's the final countdown, as my friends in uh, 80s rock music would say. <laughs> it's the final countdown. We are, as we record this, what, 13, 12, or 13 days away? 13 days. 13 days for San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, 12 days, 12 days someone till pointed XFL out on my football, post. yeah. It's only 12, and then um, Dirty from the X-Fan show actually corrected him and said, no, for San Antonio Brahmas, it's 13. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are, and if you're listening to this, which you are, because we couldn't go live, technology sucks. Um, No, technology's great, but sometimes it doesn't work out real well. Uh, But as you listen to this, you might even be in single digits. Isn't that exciting? This yeah. has gone a lot quicker than the last time we did this. Do you feel that way? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, the last time we did this, we were kind of thrown into things unexpectedly because we didn't know necessarily where we were going with it and we were new to it. And this time it, it, it seems to be going faster because we have expectations and uh, we kind of it's, it's different this go round. We are the Smoking Guns Podcast. The voice you just heard is Leo Yamas. I am Philip Higginbotham. We'll be joined a little later by the wonderful, uh, vivacious, lovely R.C. Woods. I'll say those things, kind of Very things about her when she's RC. not around. Yeah. <laughs> she's actually on another podcast right now. She's like, guys, I'm sorry. I have to go record on another podcast. They've asked me to be a guest. I didn't get an invitation to be a guest on this podcast. Leo, did you get an invitation to be a guest on this podcast? They, they must have misspelled the email. I don't know. I guess so. Uh, but but RC was requested, <laughs> and we always want to support our fellow podcast friends all around the XFL. Yes, we've talked. You just talked about uh, talking to Dirty over at the X Fan Network. This Brahma bullpen is another group that uh, RC is talking with tonight. She'll be back on a little later with us but uh another group we want to support why because this isn't a competition we are not fighting one another we all want a successful product on the field to have a successful product on the field they need people to buy tickets and they need eyeballs on the product and that means as many people talking about it as there can possibly be is good for it and that's why we're all for it um i hope there's i hope there's 10 brahma shows uh, by the time we get done with the season, Brahma podcasts. Um, we'll Man, still be imagine the, having to choose which one to listen to if there's 10 shows. Right? We'll still be you the just, first like, one. Fill, and You'll fill out your week. <laughs> we'll be the first one that had Heinz Ward on. Like, that will forever be us. Yes. Yes, We were the us. first podcast in San Antonio to have Heinz Ward on. There were some radio and TV outlets that had it before us. Hey, they always get there before us. We're just a podcast. But we are a podcast. We're a podcast about football, professional football in San Antonio. That covers the San Antonio Brahmas of the XFL and the San Antonio Gunslingers of the National Arena League. For now, maybe. We'll talk about all that later. Hmm. Um, If you're a fan of professional football and you came and you were like, I want to hear you talk about Brahmas, we're going to do that. But stick around when we talk about Gunslingers because that is also really good professional football that is coming to San Antonio that is in San Antonio 
but it's coming again in the spring at the end of the XFL season. If you like Brahma's football, if you like football, and you do, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast any other way, then you want to be a part of both of these fan bases. There's no reason to uh, split your allegiance or to... There's no reason not to split your allegiance and be a Brahma's and Gunslingers fan, right, Leo? No, if you do, that actually, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I only like the Brahma's. I don't like the Gunslingers. Well, they don't play in the... That's like, that's like being a Spurs fan and not liking the Dallas Mavericks. It's They're two different No, leagues. that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> no, I think it is. They're, com- they're two completely different skill sets now. The, the Spurs are... The Spurs, the Dallas Mavericks have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving now. Yes, that, that is true. <laughs> I got to tell that you, it's true. Uh, those of you that don't know, I'm a transplant from the Dallas area, so I am a Mavericks fan, and I am scared to death of Kyrie Irving being anywhere near my team. Um, the trade just went down yesterday. We won't see him in a Mavericks uniform until uh, Wednesday is what I hear, and I am so deathly afraid that he is just going to blow <laughs> this franchise up um, because he is not a guy I really want anywhere near my team. Very talented basketball player, and if he and Luca get on the same page, they could really do damage, but just not a guy I want anywhere around my team. I'm sure Spurs fans remember a guy named Kawhi Leonard that was a very good basketball player, but ultimately just not a guy you wanted anywhere near your basketball team. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, Kyrie Irving is that same kind of guy. So uh, I am not gloating about getting Kyrie Irving because that scares me to death. I am not sure that's going to be a good thing for the Dallas Mavericks or for Dallas Maverick fans. We'll see. So the San Antonio Brahmas will be kicking off at the Alamo Dome on February 19th. It's coming so quickly. Um, And we got an opportunity, Leo, both you and I uh, have sat down recently and listened to, what would you call that? It's a a web show? Uh, I guess it's on their YouTube channel, I guess, So it's a, but it's not specifically for that but it's a brahma's uh youtube and, and the XFL they have these YouTube, episodes right? or xfl yeah, yeah sorry and and uh they have these episodes apparently it says it's labeled episode one so i'm assuming there's more to come and i would assume because of the format of the first it will include the other division right because this was all the the uh, xfl south this is the coaches round table. Yeah. It was the four coaches in the South, which is uh, Heinz Ward, the best coach of the four. Uh, Heinz yes. Ward, uh, Bob Stoops of the Arlington yep. Renegades, Wade Phillips of the Houston Roughnecks, and Terrell Buckley, uh, who will be the head coach of the Orlando Guardians. And, you know, Terrell Buckley is one of those guys. I, I haven't mentioned this. We haven't talked about this on the show. Terrell Buckley, back in the early 2000s, I was a big fan of playing Madden. Every season I would buy the brand new Madden. I don't do that so much anymore. I don't know if I've grown up or I just got tired of it. It's kind of the same thing every year. Like, they don't innovate much anymore on Madden. But one of our favorite things to do would be to throw all of the players in the NFL back into a draft pool and redraft your team. 
Terrell Buckley was one of those guys. He was a seasoned at the time cornerback that you could get for a good price, but he covered well. And he would always be a guy I would target in the middle to late rounds to anchor my defense was Terrell Buckley. Because he didn't cost too much. He wasn't uh he wasn't a high price guy, but he was still solid. And I would always go uh look and find where Terrell Buckley was. He's the head coach of the Orlando Guardians now. Um, and I thought that was an interesting, I guess I had not considered the South as a unit yet, but you have two older, um, proven head coach guys. And then you have two guys that have not been head coaches. In fact, Terrell Buckley, uh, the rookies. Yeah. Is it was kind of, uh, he was, he has a chip on his shoulder because he kind of got pigeonholed as only a cornerback, defensive back kind of coach. And that comes through in the time, the 45 yeah. minutes or so that we get to he see. That. He brings it up not just once, but a couple of times, maybe three, that he wants to be more than just a defensive backs guy or a cornerback coach. Um and he struggled to be viewed as that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. What well, he he complains because they they keep calling him a great uh recruiter. You're great on the recruiting trail. Um so we can't elevate you to some of these higher positions on the team because that means less recruiting visits and we want to keep you out there at recruiting and that was he he does. He kind of has a chip on his shoulder over it. Yeah. Well, that's one of the worst things uh, you know, even outside of football, when you're so good at, at something that you you can't you can't be chosen for advancement because they fear that you know if 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 they let you move on to something else, even if it's bigger and better, then they lose uh, the asset they have, you know, of of you in that area. That that, that kind of sucks, but I I, I, under, I can understand that. So it's about 45 minutes long. I think it's 46 minutes long, actually. Yep. Uh, it's the four of these guys talking, and you 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 may be sitting there going, like, what do they talk about? Like, everything. They talk about the talent in the league. They talk about why they chose this opportunity. Um, they talk about some of the rules, changes that they're excited about. Yep. Um, they talk a- about a lot around the league, and it all kind of comes back to things that if you've been with our show Previously, in the command post days that you've heard from us before, we both agree spring football or, uh, you know, another tier of football is good. It's good for the sport. It's good for the sport of football. It's good for the NFL. Like, I think the NFL should value a good, solid spring league, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it creates a lot of opportunity uh, for, uh, these players, um, to get developed, you know, to, for some development to get, you know, they just couldn't quite get over that hump when they've been on NFL rosters or training camps. Um, and, uh, this is a chance for them to kind of develop their skills, sharpen their tools as coach Ward put it and, um, get, uh, get film out there, you know, 10 games, 10 weeks of film that would be invaluable for advancement of their careers to get NFL scouts looking at that. And they, they, you know, stated, they, they know that, that those, that film is going to be looked at and studied. So uh, definitely beneficial to all the players, beneficial to the NFL. 
yes. beneficial to coaches because even these coaches, you know, some of them, you know, they've been around for a while. You talk Stoops and 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 you talk about um, uh, Phillips, but then you you have the unproven guys like like the two we talked about, Terrell Buckley and in Heinz Ward, getting their feet wet and kind of showing what they can do um, in that role, and you know that could mean something for them in the future. Although. Uh, I, I hope Heinz Ward sticks around for, for a little bit, for a little bit longer, but right. you know, players, you don't expect them. And we talked, we've mentioned that before. You don't expect players to be around for very long in this league. You can't count no. on, you know, being a big fan of a certain quarterback and he's going to be your quarterback for six, seven, eight years. That's just not going to happen in this kind of league. No, we talked a lot uh, right about this time in 2019, as we were getting ready for the commanders to kick off. We talked a lot about the front of the jersey versus the back of the jersey. And in this league and in this kind of setup, you're going to have to be a Brahmas fan. You're not going to be uh, served well if I'm a huge fan of Javon Pass or Javon Pass Mm -hmm. Um, because either... He's going to be successful and he's going to move on and up and out of the ranks of the XFL, or he's not going to be successful and he's going to bounce around here and the USFL for a few years and then just kind of, uh, you know, slowly melt away um, in time. So if you become a fan of players, we do that in the NFL all the time, right? We go and get jerseys. Um, with our favorite players on them. And then we get upset when our favorite player leaves. Um, But if you do that here, if you go in and start cheering for guys specifically, I think that's, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. That's not what this level of football is going to look like. Yeah, no, you, you cheer on a team and then maybe you, maybe you, become familiar with a guy, a player that, that you become a fan of. And then the hope is he moves up. I mean, if you're really a fan of the player, you, you know, his goal is to, to not be in the XFL for too long. He wants to be in the NFL and you could continue being a fan of a player, even if it's, you know, not necessarily for your favorite uh, team in the NFL, Uh, you could continue to follow those guys careers. And so, but to be a fan as uh, this is, this is my guy with this team, for an extended period of time. That's not going to happen too often this league. No. Uh, I thought there was some interesting, I don't want to call it shade because I don't really think it was meant that way. I just think that they were, and I think it was Heinz Ward specifically that brought it up. I think he was making sure that players and anybody listening understood the benefit of the XFL over what he called other leagues on this level. And when he says that he's talking about the USFL because that's the only other league on this level. Um, But that's specifically the words he used is our, the difference between our league and other leagues on this level is our schedule wraps up at the end of April, which is the draft and beginning of the free agency period. That is a very clear signal to me that a, they've talked about that before. That's not something Heinz Ward came up with. That is no. that is conversation around the league. Is That is the way our timing is set up. And B, 
they want to send that 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 message to these players on this level of setting up in a league that ends at the end of April is much better than setting yourself up in a league that ends just before training camp, which is what the USFL does. There are benefits to both. But if you are a sign if you're if you're signed around the beginning of the free agency period, you are one kind of player. If you are signed just before training camp, to me, Leo, you tell me if I'm wrong, you're filler. Like we need to fill some holes. Yep. We've got some spots. We've got some extra places in dorm rooms. We just want to take a flyer on some guys. We need some bodies to fill, you know, certain certain positions, uh, or we've had an injury, something like that. And we right. need to bring in some depth. But but you're not you're not circled in as a guy that could come in and compete um, to you know, be first or even second string uh, if you're coming in at that time. Yeah. I mean, not to say that a USFL can't produce players. They already have. Yeah. Um, Turpin for Dallas is a pro bowler, if that means anything. By the way, we're a football podcast. We just yesterday had the pro bowl. Did you watch a single snap of the pro bowl? Quote unquote pro bowl. We're a football podcast. You said it. We're a football podcast. <laughs> that that's not I'm stealing this. I saw it somewhere. I don't remember where. Um but someone said we're not a well, I'm I'm saying we're not a recess podcast. Um but I'm stealing the recess thing because someone put out there who wants to watch a a, a bunch of grown men go out for recess. <laughs> and I right. thought that was funny because it kind of applies. I yeah. mean I think at some point they're just going to have to acknowledge that all-star rosters in the NFL uh, just need to be just that, an all-pro roster or an all-star roster, but there needs to be no event attached to it. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you've got Derek Carr, who was the starter for the AFC. He's getting run out of his yes. current franchise on a rail. Like as fast as they can get rid of that guy, but he's the Pro Bowler, and his backup was a backup quarterback <laughs> in the Pro Bowl. So your two quarterbacks in the in the Pro Bowl, your All Star quarterbacks, quote unquote, are two guys that are not you know that could very conceivably not be with their franchises the next year. Um, that's not All Star. Those aren't All Stars. Like that's not what that is. Yeah, I mean the 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 Pro Bowl, uh, you know, the All Star Game for the NBA, all that it's it's really lost a lot of its luster and and content since you know back in the day, you know, eighties, nineties, it just started to deteriorate deteriorate into it's it's more fun than competitive, and it's it's more f so fun for the players and the people present than any you know television audience. Uh, I personally don't don't enjoy watching that stuff but that being said we started all that pro bowl conversation and that's probably all the pro bowl conversation you're going to get from us <laughs> yeah let's we'll, we'll get past that by saying uh that turpin uh was a guy who performed in the usfl signed with the dallas cowboys returned kicks all season and was tabbed as a pro bowl player an all-star um so the usfl has the potential to present you some of these guys. 
I just feel like that was very well done. The way their messaging was very clear of if you want to move to the next level, this might be your better opportunity to do that. And that brings me to another point. There was a gentleman on the YouTube comments, because I read YouTube comments because, I don't know, I'm a masochist. I, I'm not sure. But I read YouTube comments. And there was a guy on there that talked about how disappointed he was. This was on the coaches' roundtable. Because the coaches were making it very clear that this would be an opportunity for someone to step up into the NFL. And this guy was disappointed and wanted an XFL or like league, USFL, XFL, AFF, whatever, uh, AAF, to stand on its own and not be a feeder league for the NFL. And the fact that they were setting themselves up before they ever started as a feeder league for the NFL meant he was, and I'm quoting him, disappointed and probably not going to watch. Dude, you do not understand <laughs> What a powerhouse the NFL is if you think any of these leagues can yeah. ever stand alone without being a stepping stone to the show. Like if if any league came forward and said that their goal was to compete against the NFL and didn't take this route and said, you know, we are trying to supplant the NFL as as your preferred professional football league. They would be destroyed. They wouldn't. They wouldn't last a month. Yeah, the 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 NFL is a very significant power in this in this country. Just, I mean, the money, the people behind it. Uh, the it's there's no way you could try and, and compete or supplant uh, the beast that is the NFL. Now you can try and work with the NFL as a feeder league in this. And and honestly, this is something the NFL needs. And people have been saying it. For a long time and people close to the league people in the know has been saying this for a long time that it's something that's needed it's just been figuring out a way to make it work um and mostly financially um because that 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 is that is a, a challenge because something like this is is very expensive um, right. And, and, and the casual fan, or uh, I won't even say the casual fan because, you know, some big time football fans without realizing it, make it even more difficult to, to establish something like this at time because, because they fail to, to put it into perspective of what it is and, and how they, how the role they should be playing with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So to that guy that's like, hey, I don't want a league that uh, thinks of itself as a developmental league for the NFL, um, you are never going to find another pro professional football league that you like. If that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a league that will not bill itself, every league below the NFL, the European Football League, the XFL, the USFL, even the Canadian Football League, to some extent, ultimately build themselves in some way or another as a place where you can get some film so that mm -hmm. you can get to that level. Yes. Even the CFL does that. CFL has been around longer than the NFL and the CFL mm -hmm. does that. Um, so if you're looking for that league, that magical league that will uh, try to supplant the NFL and have any sort of success at all. Good luck, bud. Never uh, going to happen. It's just not where yes. we're at. 
never going to happen. Not not in our lifetimes. Uh, I yep. thought. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, kind of uh, related to your point with the coaches, and you, you said Heinz Ward brought it up, and and I remember the moment. I think you're correct in that he said the advantage of uh, this versus the USFL. I thought it was interesting that that Phillips, Wade Phillips, was the one who brought up another advantage. Um, and he said kind of kind of snidely, I think it was like you said, throwing shade, where it was a big deal that they're able to play in their own cities and have their yeah. own fan base. And you know, and he's like, Yeah, we're all here together, we're doing with training camp, but then you know, we all go out, we have our own our own uh, stadium to play in, we have our own our own city and our own fan base to support us. And he said that, that, that makes it pretty special. So I thought that was, that was some more shade thrown towards the USFL. I think it was. uh, And, and you know what? Wade Phillips, I listened to him for 45 minutes today as I watched uh, that. And here's a guy who look at me now I'm Chris Collinsworth. Here's a guy. No, here's a guy who (laughs) uh, has been the head coach on both of our NFL franchises not done a great job with that. Um, it would be very easy uh, in periods of time where he should have been much better than he was. He should have put better teams on the field, both in Denver and in Dallas, than he did. Um, it is not unfair to say that the lacking for both of those franchises during his tenure could be placed on his shoulders. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. So both of us would have reason and right to go, man, I really don't like that guy. Well, I think but, he's a better defensive coordinator than oh, he is definitely. a head coach. Yeah. Definitely. Um, my point is, as much as I have a reason and a right to really dislike him, I cannot no. dislike that guy. guy. He's so likable. He yes. is so amazingly down to earth and all shucks and all the things that he has always been. And watching him today, I was just like, man, I don't. And Bob Stoops struck me that way too. I don't like Bob Stoops. I've never liked him. And in this conversation, I was like, God, this guy's even likable. What is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Phillips, Phillips is like your, your uncle or, or grandpa, the cool grandpa or uncle that's just like laid back and easygoing, has cool stories and and you know, you know, gives you gives you candy when you come over or something like that. It's just that's just kind of the vibe that I that I get. You know, he's definitely a, a really likable guy. And and that's why I was also like a little it was a little comical to see him throw shade like that because right. that's not who you'd expect to, to see it coming from. Yeah, but he definitely did bring up, and we've talked it at length on this show, and we can talk about it a little more, how the USFL plan um, last year being in one bubble city in Birmingham, this year they're dividing up into three or four hub cities, um, but teams are still not playing. Like Houston will not play a game in Texas. Um, they will play in Birmingham, I believe. And I just don't get it. I don't understand. Um, it's not, you're not building a fan base to me. Um, as much as yeah. we love the TV market, and hey, you've got to be concentrating on the TV market with any league. And I think that the XFL is doing a great job of that. They have already 
put out lots of information about where you can see their games all season long. Like I know where to watch every Brahma's game on TV if that's what I want to do. That being said, you have to have connection to your town, to your city, to your home, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And the XFL model, I'm sorry, the USFL model just doesn't make any sense to me. I as yeah. much as I people, try. People in Houston and the surrounding areas are not going to care about the Birmingham Houston gamblers. Cuz that's what they are. They're the Birmingham Houston gamblers. Right. <laughs> then you're just you're just not going to care when you when you have a team that that can play in a stadium in your in your town in your city that you can can go go look at. So the XFL has kind of found this this medium where they're able to take advantage of the positives of both of those things of like Wade Phillips said, having your own stadium to play in and that competitiveness of playing in, you know, in front of your home crowd. Um, But at the same time, they have a hub where they all have training camp and they all practice, you know, around each other, you you share facilities. Like they mentioned some of the advantages of the players throughout the league, not having an advantage over players from another team because they're all going through the same type of training. They're all, he even mentioned that they're eating the same food, you know, they're they're They have access to the same facilities. Um, It's, it's really kind of a equal, uh, situation for those players across the board um, for their development. And I, I thought that was an interesting factor and something that came to my mind as I was, as I was listening to these guys talk that had not occurred to me before Philip was um, the San Antonio Brahmas were just involved in a trade uh, where they, they traded uh, a running back uh, for a tight end. They traded um with the Seattle Sea Dragons and thinking about that and, and the advantages they were talking about and saying, Hey, we're, we, we can, we can talk to each other. They even said that, you know, we're in training camp, but we're right here. We can actually talk to each other. We can communicate and, and help each other um, where that would never be possible in another situation where you're having training camp separate from each other. And it made me think about this trade that just went down a, a few days, just a couple days ago. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're practicing in the same facility and you're right next to that other player, that other organization, that other coach, I, I mean, I would think it's completely possible if you're interested in entertaining an idea of trading someone, you approach them and say, hey, let me work this guy out. Let me let me have him for for a practice. Let me have him over here to see if he fits this system or if he think if he can do what I envision he might be able to do. And then maybe we can work something something out where if you have a need and they'd be like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't think it's far fetched to think either one of those two guys might have spent a, a practice or a workout with the other organization before that trade was even finalized. And that's something that would never happen in say the NFL or, you know, a situation where they're, you're separate. And to be fair, we don't want it in the NFL. The NFL is cutthroat kind of world yes. where I want my team taking every <coughs> possible advantage. Uh, and if that means denying a player to another group. Like there's lots of talk about 
DeMarco Murray. When he was a cowboy, he became a free agent, and he signed with the Eagles. And he was never any good with the Eagles. But there are folks that have come out now and said that the whole point of the Eagles signing him was not to have him as part of the Eagles. It was to keep him away from the Dallas Cowboys because mm. they were good with DeMarco Murray running the ball. Um, you do that kind of stuff in the NFL. <clears throat> this, at least right now, feels like these three coaches, these four coaches we heard today, felt very much like we are all pulling together. We are all moving the same direction. Look, while I don't, still being competitive, I don't mean they weren't competitive. They absolutely yeah. were. They were ribbing each other. Uh, Terrell Buckley, I thought, was great because every time they would bring up, because uh, you had the other three coaches or the three Texas coaches, yeah, and they would talk about who would win the Texas championship. And Terrell Buckley every time would step up and say, "Y'all, that's fine. Y'all can have that. Y'all can have that. I'm going after a league <laughs> championship. I don't care anything about winning Texas." Uh, they were still competitive, but it very much felt like we're all in this together. And for this league to survive after what we've watched in the past, that's why that's how it's going to have to be. Like everybody yeah. in the XFL is going to have to want the same thing and be moving the same direction for this to stay viable. Um, and so to know that they're already working that way um, was good. I thought it was a good way. So when you see a guy across the practice field, uh, or you watch a team, you know, you watch the other team that you're on the practice field with that day and you go, God, y'all need another tight end. Like you've got one that's okay, but the rest of them, I'm not sure you need another tight end. And you, you sidle your way across the field at one point and you go, Hey, I've got an extra guy. You need to take a look at him because I think he might fit well in what you look like you're doing over there. So let's uh, let's see what we can work out so that we can, you know, rising tide floats all boats here kind of. Let me get you somebody in your, you know, tight end stable that's going to help you some. Yeah, and and league parity is good because you want competitive. You don't, you don't want a team that's going to get blown out every week. Um and then have that market just totally lose interest. Um, I don't know that necessarily that's a high priority though. I mean, these guys are competitive and I don't, I don't think they're trying to help out another team in, you know, for the sake of, of the league. I mean, some of that could be happening, but not to, wow. not to a, a big extent. I, and you know what, there's, there's evidence that that's not going on. Um, by the XFL or in the XFL um, pretty clearly to me. And that was uh, if you examine schedules. So the expectation is um, for the uh, St. Louis uh, Battle Chickens and the San Antonio Brahmas to be two of the bigger markets of the league. Clearly, um, yes. Yeah. And you know, you can remember going back to the AAF days where, like, the Commanders, they, they kind of featured that game between the Commanders and, and the uh, the San Diego Fleet to kind yes. of be the jump start for the entire league because of ticket sales and the fan base and, and all that. So a lot of that makes sense because, yeah, they have the Battlehawks against the Brahmas. Was that necessarily the best decision, though, because they 
both have two of the larger fan bases, you know, to be expected in the league to have them play each other instead of hosting a game each. But not only did they not do that, if you go and look at the schedules, so the Brahmas host their their first mm. home their first home game against the Battle Hawks, then they go on the road for three consecutive games. Right. It'll be a full month before San Antonio fans can return to the Alamo Dome and watch the Brahmas play another game. The Battle Hawks is even worse. Their first home game isn't till I think the fourth game of the season. They start with three consecutive road games before they go home, and then they hit the road again, I think, for a, a week, and then they're home one more time, and then they hit the road again for like two or three consecutive. It's uh, for, uh, I think it's two consecutive, but uh, it's just, it seems like the, the, the two biggest or at least expected biggest fan bases are not going to get an opportunity to show off that attendance towards the beginning of the league because they're both on the road the first four weeks of the season. Do you wonder at all, or does it seem to you like this model of everybody practicing together in Arlington and then heading out for their games each weekend, does that dilute home field advantage at all to you? Um, somewhat. It, 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 it does... Uh, especially if they don't have butts in the seats, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to be what creates the home, the home field advantage, the noise. Right. Uh, I, I think, I think teams are going to have opportunities to, to play a little bit on the field, practice on the field before their, their initial game um, to get a, a little bit of an advantage over the visiting team. But the real advantage comes from the crowd, the crowd noise, the the uh, the disruption of the crowd when the other team is you know out there on offense and 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 you know feed, players feed off of that so i don't know that the having them at the hub city for for training camp affects it that much so long as the team has has that support in in the ticket sales but if san antonio and dc uh are both traveling the same day to Washington to DC, they get there and only 3,500 people show up. Essentially, the home field advantage for DC has been neutralized at that point. You didn't get to stay in your home city. It's not like you slept in your own bed. You traveled just like the other team traveled. Yeah. And you don't have a crowd to help you as that yeah. quote unquote 12th man. Um, so, it, in essence, you're playing a neutral game at that point. You're playing a game on a neutral site in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's why you need that crowd. That's why that crowd. Brahma's fans can't give up. All five of these games, you got to come and be loud and be. Uh, it's got to be a big deal because it's, we are the home field advantage at that point. It's imperative, and and even so. And we're kind of moving on to another point that I that I wanted to make this this uh, this show this episode. Um, let's say let's say the Brahmas aren't. We talked a little bit about this last week. We have no no way to ex- to know what to expect as far as what's on the field. We don't know what the Brahmas team is going to look like. We don't we don't at this point we don't know who the starting quarterback is. Uh, we I mean we don't know we don't know anything. Um, they may come out and be flat 
you know, we believe in Heinz Ward. We believe in, in the organization. We, we think that they're going to come out, you know, strong, uh, but we're a fan base and that's what we're supposed to believe. But who knows? Say they come out and despite all our expectations and despite Heinz Ward's best efforts, they're not competitive. They get blown away in, in the first game. Well, we know as football fans of San Antonio from the experience and part of what we've been waiting for, I said last week, is the stage, the experience of the Alamo Dome, the facility, the tailgating, the crowd, the you know being rowdy like, like we wore back when with the AAF and then sh- showing our fandom for the, the, the sport of football. That's all part of it. It's not just what's on the field. What's on the field is a big part of that. But we cannot, as fans of professional football in San Antonio, let that be the deciding factor of our support because we don't know what to expect. And if fan the fan base starts to wane, and I know this is a big ask because people like to support winning organizations, especially in San Antonio. We're kind of a fickle fan base here. Mm-hmm. Um, but – if 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 we start to wane and not show that support, then we're helping putting that nail in the coffin for for the XFL and for spring football and for professional football in San Antonio. If we really want this to be a long term, ongoing thing, it doesn't matter how good or how bad that the the team is that's on the field. We have to go out and make ourselves have a good time, and that's why the the tailgating is a big part right. of it, and just our interaction. In, in the stands, if we can make it fun, despite what's happening on the field, then we have to put our best effort forward in doing that. So when people come away from a really bad loss, if there is one, you still say, you know what, I can't, I can't wait for the second game. Even though it's a month away, I can't wait to get back and do that. They go on the road. Let's say they win one out of those three games. They come back to the, to the Alamo Dome one and four. It would absolutely be devastating if – the Brahmas come back to the Alamo Dome for game two with a one and four record and and they have 8,000 people in the stands. Or worse. Uh, yeah. I will tell you, you know, it's easy. It's hard for us to think about this now. If you follow football in San Antonio, you know that the UTSA Roadrunners um, have 20,000 plus per game in the Alamo Dome uh, as it stands right now. And that's awesome. Yep. What you don't think about is that the year before Jeff Trailer got here, uh, they were not good. They were not good at all. I went no. to a couple of those games, and there were 3,000 people there, maybe, and it felt like there were five people there. Like, 3,000 people in the Alamo Dome is nothing. Um, really, really nothing. Embarrassingly nothing. And I guarantee you, if San Antonio reacts to the Brahmas the way they did the Roadrunners in that time, and they go, well, that's not any good. I'm not going to watch it anyway. The XFL will quickly rethink their decision about having a franchise here. And if they survive as a league, they'll yank that. So as great as we did back in 2019 with the Commanders, the Commanders were a winning program. They were one of the best programs in the Alliance of American Football. And so we like to tout those numbers and be like, ha, we were the best. We had the best attendance. 
We had 30,000 people at one point almost in the in the Dome for some spring football game. That's awesome. Can you do something like that, though, or something around that when you're a 1-4? Um, that is what it's going to take to maintain because the Brahmas aren't always going to be. They may be great this season. The other side of spring football or this developmental area of football is you never know season to season what you're going to get. So we may be great. We may win a championship in the first season. We may be the bottom rung the next season because that's the way the talent level shakes out for everybody. And somebody comes in, you know, four NFL teams come in and rob us of, you know, six of our best players. And the guys we replace them with aren't the same. Um, this is going to be one of those leagues where you can't, uh, you know, San Antonio fans can't be, I hate to say this, but San Antonio fans, they have to get behind this thing fully, win or lose, or there's going to be a problem. Yep, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, the goal here is to have a longstanding professional football organization in San Antonio and be able to enjoy that as we have not been able to in the past. We did for a little while with the commanders and it was an awesome experience and people fell in love with that. And we want that again, those of us who were part of that. Um, unfortunately, there just seems to be a lot. And that's why I kind of alluded to earlier where some of these hardcore football fans, I said casual, and then I rethought my, my, my words. And I said, not even casual, some hardcore don't understand the role that they play in this sort of league. And don't understand that sometimes the perspective that they have might be exactly what makes it so difficult to make something like this work. Um, NFL teams that are bad, they they don't suffer in um, they do suffer somewhat in the stands. But you look at any given ga game on us on a Sunday or Thursday night, and it doesn't matter the record. You look at you look at the stands of that stadium, and and there's a significant amount of people in those stands because they have hardcore fan base following them. That's what we need to be. Now, I don't want to turn people off and say, well, look at these guys on the Smoking Guns podcast. They're talking about how bad our Brahmas are going to be. We're not. We want no. them to be great, you know, and and we're hoping, you know, that they are, and, and that's what we expect, and that's what we want as fans. But what we're saying is if it doesn't go that way, we need to be prepared to do our part to make sure that this thing works and stick, sticks around past a season because you have these fans that say, oh, well, I don't want to – I don't want to support or I don't want to buy season tickets or I don't want to buy tickets because look what happened last time or where's, where's how come they don't have swag available? Why do I have to go online to buy stuff? I can't even walk into a store at the mall and buy their gear yet. That's terrible marketing. And you got to understand it takes a lot of money to make something like this work. It takes a lot of money just to have a single football game. I mean, when you talk about rent, that you're playing for a stadium right. and then paying all the people, the, the field technicians, the people that put out the field that support all that, all the support people to actually make a football game work. The people working, you know, the, the uh, um, concessions and all the, all those people are getting paid. Now they're probably getting paid by the Alamo dome, not by the XFL, but the Alamo dome is getting paid by the XFL. Right. So it, it's, it's a, 
enormous amount of money. And then you have people saying, oh, well, $25, $35, that's too much for a developmental football league. If you take the lower section of the Alamo Dome, say that's 30,000 people. I think it's a little bit less than yes, that, I think. Right about that, yeah. But you, you multiply that. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at math. But let me let me pull up a calculator here real quick, and let me let me uh, let me calculate. If you paid thirty dollars a seat, and multiply that by twenty eight thousand people, that's eight hundred and forty thousand dollars. And if they're paying just rent of two hundred fifty three hundred thousand dollars, there's almost half of that, then all the people that they have to pay, then the players and everything else, then what's left of On both teams. Yeah, on both teams. you got to pay two teams worth of coaches and players because you can't have a game with just one team. So you got to pay two of those. Crews, you know, Insurance is probably really cheap for, you know, a football league. Um, Yeah. All of those things. It's so funny to me. I'm kind of blown away by fans that say, I loved the Commanders. I wish that didn't fall apart. I really wish we still had our Commanders. And then as this has gotten started, has pointed back to, well, why aren't we getting the name or the branding sooner? For the Commanders, we did. Look, I'm not saying we got the branding too soon for the Commanders and that's why the league failed. I'm just saying... Why do you want them to do everything like the commanders did it? The commanders it didn't work. <laughs> I want I'm, them to do things a little different. Am I upset? Am I frustrated on any level that I don't have an email about fan jerseys? Yeah. A part yeah. of me is frustrated. A part of me wants, you know, I was one of the first people uh, on our Facebook pages to point that out there and say, hey, I just got an email. Go and get your, your spot in line for the fan jerseys. And I really thought within a few weeks we would see something about it. We haven't. Yeah, that's frustrating on some level. By the Commander's first game, we had jerseys. But the Commander's also didn't make it through a first season. We talked about this last week on the show. My number one priority by a long shot has nothing to do with jerseys or even a winning team. My number one priority is that this makes it through season one. That is the most thing. That is the most important thing is that the XFL is able to complete a season. Look, the Alliance of American football would have worked except they did not have any money. And that turns out is really important to run a professional football league. So that didn't work. The XFL seemed to, uh, 2.0, seemed to fix that problem. They had money. They had TV contracts. They had everything settled. They were even drawing well in, in different cities. And then COVID hit. Well, mm-hmm. there's nothing you could do about that. That was what it was. A lot of things didn't survive the pandemic. 
Now we get a chance to see, unless another pandemic happens, unless the Chinese balloon was spreading some sort of new virus all (laughs) over us um, as it flew over, there's not another pandemic coming. We would have to be the unluckiest society on Earth to have another pandemic shut everything down in 2023. Knock on wood. Um, Yes. So that's not going to be the issue you think i think this thing has legs like i think it actually could happen um i could be wrong i thought the aaf did i didn't know they didn't have money i assumed i assumed when you started a professional football league you had money because i assumed that anybody knew you had to have money to have a professional football league in the united states of america or anywhere else for that matter like money would be required yeah. Well, we know that this time around, there's people backing it have money. Um, how much they're putting into it to, to start off, that's what we don't know. And it's is it even fair to ask? I mean, that that's it's not it's not our, our business really. But we what we can do is 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 do our part and go in and understand it is a business and they're trying to do this the smart way looking at past mistakes like you mentioned the commanders i mean look like you mentioned with the the, you mentioned the the branding the jerseys we're not live right now so this is just a recorded show but you can see on the camera over my shoulder i've got a commander's helmet sitting on my on on my shelf back there i've got i don't i've got commander's jerseys i've got t-shirts i freaking have socks Commander socks. That I just <laughs> I bought for some reason I never wore, but I have. They're still in the packaging. And what what good did all of that do to have that available so I could you know put my money into it and and do it? That that stuff is not what's going to make this league success, successful to start off. It will be, uh, it will contribute to its success, but they got to be smart about about the branding and about what's what's available to to us, the fan base right off the bat, because it takes a lot of money to make those things available. And if those resources are better used for, you know, I don't know, medical facilities, uh, insurance, you know, doctors, uh, accommodations for the players. Hey, I don't need my Jersey right now. Make sure that make sure those guys have a bed to stay in through the whole season. Yeah. Make sure, make sure they have you know uh, medical professionals around them in case they they get injured while they're out there you know working on their dream and 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 doing all that for our entertainment. That's okay. I, I get it and I understand it. Now it's nice to be able to have some swag and there's stuff sure. out there on the on the shop. But you know, uh, on the subject of the jerseys, I I've heard through through a uh, through the grapevine a source that those may not even happen this first season um which hey if hey. i don't get a jersey in the first season but you give me an opportunity to have a jersey in the second season that means there's a second season cool i'm okay <laughs> yes yes now that's not confirmed okay right. i don't want to i don't right. want to start rumors or spread rumors i'm just saying i i heard it through a a, a source that that could be a possibility that it doesn't happen this first season, even though they took out and, and, and maybe that's why they gauged interest to begin with and said, Hey, sign up. If you want to, if you want to get a Jersey 
so they could gauge the interest versus what it would cost to to make these things you know it costs money um another source i heard has said hey i i've seen you know that's been around the the the, the facilities i've seen replica jerseys around so i know they're looking at it and and i wouldn't be surprised if we're there much you know if we're there soon so i don't know we'll see but what i'm saying is don't let this be something that makes you go oh they're not you know they're not they're not they're not who we think they are who they say they are and, and i'm not going to support them because that's exactly why they're not going to make it is if people make that decision based on that kind of stuff that at this point shouldn't really matter that much. Right. Tell you what, Leo, let's take a break right here uh, and catch our breath a little bit. When we come back, I want to talk some more about this coaches round table. I want to talk about yeah. the practical side of the game sub, because they talked about two things, rule changes uh, from the NFL style of game. And they talked about the coaches challenges and the way the league was going to handle some of that stuff. And I want to get into the practical side of XFL football when we get back right after this. Stick with us. Smoking Guns Podcast, Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, hopefully R.C. Woods really soon, but we'll see. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Smoking Guns Podcast, Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, and we're joined by R.C. Woods. Yay! I missed you. She's back. She's back. She I'm just bad. went and talked to our buddies over at the uh, Brahma bullpen. Yeah, who's who's over there? What what are those guys? Who are those guys? Josh and Hoss. That's that's what they go by. Cool. Uh, they and you were had a... following us from Commander days. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, so make sure you check out their show because RC is going to be on there. And hey, check out their show anyway because they're talking that's about right. the Brahmas and. Mm-hmm. We need to consume as much Brahma's talk as we can get. Yes. And it and it's not going to happen on, um, or at least I don't foresee it happening on the main channels of sports talk around San Antonio, at least here to start out. So uh, you're not going to hear it on Mike Taylor. Like Mike Taylor's not going to be talking about the Brahma's to start things off. He'll jump on board when it's actually showing to be successful because that's who Mike Taylor is. Um, I don't like Mike Taylor. He doesn't care. No, no, mm -hmm. he doesn't care, but I don't like Mike Taylor. Um, but that being said, this will be the best place. These podcasts will be the best place for you to keep up with the Brahmas, at least through the first half of the season. So go check out the Brahmas bullpen, their special episode this week with RC Woods. And now she's mm -hmm. back to talk with us again. Yeah. Uh, and she asked what she missed. And I said, we just talked a bunch about football stuff. And she goes, oh, good. Oh. Oh, well, then I didn't miss one. <laughs> and we're going to talk about some more football stuff um, because we did watch that coaches roundtable. Go check that out if you have an extra 45 minutes. It's full of good, solid information. It's very well done. Yeah, the production quality stuff. is high. Um, in the midst of that, there were some practical in-game things I wanted to talk about, Leo, in the first and foremost, and we actually went and did some research between the segments because... Um, we're curious about coaches' challenge issues. Oh. There is only one. They only have one challenge per game, right, Leo? One per game. That's correct. You use it, 
you lose it. And to use it, you have to have uh, at least one timeout. If you don't, then you get penalized. Because you can't, still red, you the can't red even flag. use it. They have to, They say they have to notify the officials. So, yes, yeah. probably oh, a red flag. Probably but, will be a red flag. Uh, you know, originally... Cool it was like a leopard flag. I like a, leopard. Or a tiger. Yeah. Originally, the red <laughs> flag was a backup. It was a redundancy measure for the coach's challenge. They were supposed to have, or they had, a button that they could press on their their belt. Hip? Oh. Yeah. Uh, on their belt, they were supposed to carry a like a pager system that they could hit a button that would notify somebody upstairs that they wanted to challenge. But immediately, Problems. that went that went no. They had coaches didn't even use it. They didn't even try to use it because they had this redundancy measure that was hey, if that's not working, we'll also give you a red beanbag flag that you can throw at the officials. Well, coaches were so tired of seeing officials throw flags all the time that when they got an opportunity to throw a flag on the official, nobody used the button. They all just threw the yeah. red flag. And so the, the button went away um, because it was just as effective to throw the red flag. But the red flag was never meant to be the 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 main source of notifying the officials you wanted to challenge. It was supposed to be a button. They should give the coaches uh, black cats, like little fireworks, <laughs> they have them light them, and then they throw it at the official. That'll get their attention. I bet there's some coaches that would love to do that. That too. would love to do something like that, yeah. So the in the XFL, they have one challenge. And what can they challenge, Leo? They can challenge any ruling, including uh, like a, a penalty. Or a potential penalty is the yeah, way it's potential. written in the rule book. Huh. So if there's pass interference on a play and you're sure there's pass interference on the play and they don't call it and the league does not call down and change the ruling, which is something we'll talk about in a minute, you can challenge pass interference on a play. However, if you're wrong, you're going to lose your timeout and you're going to lose your only challenge, and you're done with that for the rest of the game. And no supper. Oh, my. <laughs> That's the worst and you, part. And you immediately lose the game, and you have uh, your starting quarterback is uh, suspended for the next Traded. Game. No. Yeah, traded. Okay. I'm going to tell you a <laughs> no, little something. No, but seriously. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead, RC. Okay, it's kind of on topic, maybe off topic. So when I was on the uh, Brahma uh, pin, what is it? Pen? Bullpen. No. Bullpen. There we go. We made a bet. We made a bet. And I think I might be in trouble. So they were talking about who was going to be the starter for the quarterback. And so um, Haas predicted, uh, I think his name is Sterling Senate. But let me see. Yeah. Reed Sennett, right? Yes. And I challenged him that if he was wrong, that he would have to eat a jalapeno at tailgating. But then I put my foot in my mouth, and then I said, oh, well, I think I might go for pass because pass, quarterback, I like it because that's what Philip had said last week. So I said, oh, no, don't put this on me. (laughs) (laughs) So if he doesn't start, I have to eat a jalapeno now. So I don't know if I can get a red flag and call, like, timeout or something. Hmm. I'm in trouble. 
Nope. I think well, you made a bet, and I think you better hope Javon Pass you, is the starting quarterback. Yeah, you made a bet, and you're going to have to stick to it, RC. I'm going to have to eat it, huh? The good thing is, and we kind of mentioned this a couple times, we have no idea who's going to be starting. Indications are, though, if you want to believe what's been leaked, what's Promoted. been at least at least put out there the most, it's it would be Juwan Pass. But like Philip said in the last show, we've seen that before with the Commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Yeah, it's it's 50-50, RC. Ugh. Good. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so here's the thing that doesn't bother me about one challenge and one challenge only. By the way, I think there's a better system. I think even in the NFL, coaches should only have one challenge. But if you get it right, you retain your challenge. Yeah. So why be punished if you were right to begin with? Right. If you were right, then you still have a challenge. Until you get one wrong, I'm not going to penalize you you at all. I'm not taking away timeout. If we were wrong and we should have called it that way, you don't get any kind of penalty whatsoever. You retain everything you had before. Yeah, it, it seems like the reward for being right, being you get to keep your time out, is, isn't sufficient. But then again, from a league standpoint, I guess, if you have a coach that makes you look your officiating crew, you know, wrong publicly, you know, two or three times a game, that could that could be a problem. So maybe that's just trying to avoid that, as well as speed up the game. Time your officials bit. need to be better. That's, that's true. true. That is Look at true. the arena. It's professional. It's professional sports. Your officials need to be on top of their game. Or we'll just replace them with robots. Um, see no. minor league baseball, where robots will be calling balls and strikes this year. Have you heard that? I heard something about that. Yeah, that's yep. interesting. I thought uh, it was just a rumor. Nope. Robots will be calling, uh, a computer will be calling balls and strikes in the minor league baseball system this year, is my understanding. Uh mm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I love the accuracy, mm. but the human element of the game is it's something that is just part of the game. And mm-hmm. there's something about that that just rubs me a little wrong. However, uh, that is neither here nor there. That's baseball, not football. The reason you only need one challenge in the XFL is that they are going to be utilizing a system very much like what college football uses Every play will be ultimately reviewed in real time by the league office as it happens and in the minutes after or the seconds after to determine if a different ruling or call should be made. This happens all the time in college football where they call down and say, we need a few more minutes, we need a few more seconds, and then the official walks out to the center and says, the previous play is under review. Not because mm-hmm. any coach, sky. yeah, not because any coach challenged it, but the league, the conference in college football is looking at this. Now it will be the league. Um, I don't understand for the life of me why the NFL hasn't moved to this kind of system. It is generally right in college football. College football is generally better served by that system. I don't understand why the NFL has never put it in place, but the XFL is going to have it. Because then they wouldn't be able to have the Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. (laughs) There you go. Good point, Leo. 
And I'll okay. just leave that out there. That's all I'll <laughs> say about that. Okay. We'll say. <laughs> yeah, if they called games fair, it would be Dallas versus Denver this year, right, Leo? Uh, um, I'm, I'm not going that far. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just talking gibberish. So the fact that they can challenge anything on the field is very interesting. The fact that they only get one of those challenges is also very interesting to me. Other practical things. Uh, if you were not a fan, if you did not plug in because there wasn't a San Antonio team to the XFL 2.0, we need to talk about some of the rule changes because they have carried over. The first and foremost yep. is the first thing that happens in every football game. The kickoff. Yep. Mm -hmm. The kickoff will happen in the XFL. It did not in the Alliance of American Football League, and it was just weird. It was yeah, just it was. awkward. It was a little, yeah. There was I something missing. I understood the reason behind it. I understood why it was a thing, because kickoffs are where, what do they say, like 75% of, of injuries happen on mm -hmm. kickoffs, yeah. kickoff returns. Um, so they're trying to minimize that. I totally get it. The XFL has taken a slightly different approach. They're going to go ahead and allow a kickoff, but 10 players from each team must line up within five yard within a five-yard zone yeah, of each other. Five yards apart. Yeah. That way you're not heading downfield with a head full of steam, having run, you know, 30 yards, 35 yards, picking up momentum, and just still you know, blowing some, some dude up who's trying to block. Who is also running... Yes, right. speed, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. down the field. Um, it worked very well in the XFL, in fact, so well that I want to say in that coach's roundtable, Wade Phillips pointed out that last year in the NFL, 34% of kickoffs were returned, and in the XFL, under this rule set in 2020, 94% of kicks were returned. Yeah, so there's more action. Yeah, they, they they talked about that during the kickoff. You know, after a score, that's usually when someone will say, "Oh, I'm going to go get a drink or whatever," because you're right. you're probably not going to miss anything or take a bathroom break because you know you have the commercial break, then you have the the kickoff, and it's probably just going to go out of bounds, and then they have to set up in the huddle and all that. So yeah, absolutely right. Um, and uh, the other the other at the other aspect. Of that, um, besides the was was it ninety four percent? I believe that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the starting field position in the XFL, I believe, compared to the NFL, is uh, was the twenty nine yard line. I think they said for the XFL, whereas for the NFL, it was it's the twenty. It's got to be 20, the twenty, close to the twenty. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't twenty five. It was less than twenty five. So. That's one special teams difference. There was another one that kind of got buried and I wanted to get more information on, but I understand the concept. Players on the punting team cannot leave the line of scrimmage until the kick is away. There is no longer gunners that will run mm -hmm. down and be standing around the guy as he receives the ball. It's going to create more of an opportunity for punt returns, which by the way, most exciting play in football is a punt return for a touchdown. Exactly. Yes. Like, that's the most exciting thing that can happen Everybody's in football. rooting for him. Well, I would think. Because it's a good show. 
Yeah, it's really exciting. It's really amazing. It's very, it's one of the, it's the best thing that can happen in football. Um, if you really start thinking about it, like there's nothing more exciting than a punt return for a touchdown. This gives mm-hmm. a better opportunity for those to happen because uh, you don't have gunners that are standing within a yard of your punter <laughs> as he waiting for you to catch the ball. The ball. Right. Yeah. So you're waving that hand. You got that hand up in the air because, like, I'm going to get creamed if I do not fair catch this ball. So that's uh, a new wrinkle. Uh, The other special teams wrinkle, the the two big, I feel like, things that will affect possession and scoring. Because kickoffs and punts happen, and they don't affect anything as far as possession and scoring as much as these next two things. The first being the tiered extra point system in the XFL is being carried over from the 2.0 system to the 3.0 system. And I absolutely love it. Good stuff. Yeah. You do not kick an extra point. There's no such thing as kicking an extra point. You can take the ball at the two yard line. If you are successful in your attempt to get the ball in the end zone, you get one point. You can go back to the five-yard line. If you are successful, you receive two points. You can take the ball at the 10-yard line. And if you are successful with one play, getting the ball in the end zone, you get three points, which means a nine-point lead is now a one-possession game. Yep. That's fun. That's just fun. That's just abjectly more fun than the current point-after system that resides in the NFL and college football of kicking an extra point or a two-point conversion. The the options this gives you is just more fun. I love the strategy involved. I love the excitement that's built around that one play now. I love that a nine-point lead is no longer a a two-possession game. There is so much I like about this. I really see no negative side to this at all. Yeah, no, I mean, you, let's let's take the exact polar opposite of what you just said um, with the punt return being the most exciting play in football. The extra point is the most boring play in football, and that's what they're taking away. Unless you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and Brett Myers kicking, <laughs> then. <laughs> then you're on the edge then, of your then seat. Then we have issues. <laughs> then you're worried. <laughs> but Especially but, if yes. it's a playoff game. Uh, yeah, no, I, you're right. And a few years ago, gosh, I think it was even close to 10 years ago now, they moved the extra point back, and that helped some. That gave very us little, a, but yes, that gave us at least a possibility of missing because it used to be from the uh, the ball was snapped on the two and a half yard line right where they do uh, uh, the same the two point conversion, and so it was a gimme and like ninety nine percent ninety nine point five percent of extra points were made. They moved it back to the twelve, I believe. Is that where it's at now? Mm, I'd have to check on that. I'm not sure. I'm not positive. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. But citation, that sounds right. Citation yeah. needed, but wherever they moved it back yeah. to, it at least gave the opportunity for a Brett Maher, um to come in and miss an extra point and not look like a total spaz. Then if you do it four times in a row, you well, do look like a total what? spaz, but that's a different story. 
but I love this. I love eliminating the extra 15 point. 15-yard line. Okay. Uh, I love eliminating the extra point. I love making it a football play. And I love the strategy of, you know what? If I think really highly of my offense, I can do that with my first touchdown. I get the ball on the kickoff. I go down the field and not just score seven points. I score nine because I am trying to set uh, the the tone for the game of my offense is better than your defense. How demoralizing would it be to, before you even possess the ball, you're down by nine points. Like there's something that's guts. It takes guts as a coach to call it that way. But as an offense, you'd walk on the field going, gosh, we're already down what used to be two possessions. Like we have to score and score from 10 yards out to make this a tie game now. Um, and it, it puts pressure on on you to match the output of your opponent and you know just scoring a touchdown isn't all that it takes to match because you know the the extra point is is almost a foregone conclusion right so if they score a touchdown and then they go for 3 and then convert then you're probably more than likely going to do the exact same thing the first time you go down and score, even if it's the next possession or, or later on down the line, just to kind of keep up and, and stay within those single possession uh, ranges. So, yeah, it makes it a lot more interesting. The other, so. the other rule change, it is not entirely new if you were with the commanders, mm-hmm. um, but because it was something the Alliance of American Football used, sort of. Um, but... You may onside kick the ball to try to retain possession after scoring. You can do Only, that. Mm-hmm. Or near the end of the game, you may select if you were behind. I believe you have to be behind to be able to do this. You can select to take after scoring a touchdown or, or a field goal. You can elect one Fourth and 15 play from your own 30-yard line, I believe. I think it's a 25. And if Okay. And if you are successful, you retain possession of the ball. Yes, uh, and that's only allowed in the fourth quarter, but yes. Right. That, Did the commanders ever use that? No, I don't believe no. so. I think it only happened once or twice in the AAF as a whole. And I don't think it was ever successful. Seems complicated. But I might be wrong. It's tough to get 15 yards on a play when they know when the defense knows you have to get that 15. Right. Yards. Like yeah. a target on your back. So I love it. It's got a better chance of success than the, uh, the, the onside kick. I'm not a big fan of the onside kick. I, it's not that exciting. It's not that interesting. Um, so there's another option there for, players to are for teams to try to retain possession after they've scored, which is a big thing. If you're trying to come back uh, in the fourth quarter of a game, the final rule change I want to mention, and just almost as a, also this changed, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'm not sure I care at all. I don't think it's a big deal. You can have more than one forward pass per play. Yeah. If the first forward pass did not cross the line of scrimmage. Yep. So like screenplays to the running backs, um, a lot of times 
you know, your quarterback takes his drop, his drop back, whatever it's, you know, five steps, seven steps, whatever. And then we'll, we'll throw a, a screen pass. And sometimes that's lateral. Sometimes it's, it's behind. Sometimes it's, it's forward. And in that case in the NFL, then that, that, that's, that running back is the guy carrying the ball and um, the defense can focus on him moving forward unless he laterals. Um, but uh, in the XFL, that running back, as long as he hasn't passed the line of scrimmage can still throw the ball. So, and that kind of puts an interesting twist. I don't know if I'm a fan of it. I guess I'd have to see it. Yeah. Work in action. Because it's it's de- certainly different, way different than what we're used to. It, it seems a bit gimmicky, but there there there's room for gimmick plays, for trick plays in 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 football, you know. So we'll see how that works out. I, I'm like you; I don't know how I feel about it. It is a little gimmicky. Um, that but is exactly someone may wow way. us with that play at some point, and we'll that be like, "Whoa, it- that was really cool." That is exactly the word that comes to mind. Is it seems too gimmicky for me. Um, in the long run, I don't think it'll be used very often. I don't think it'll be a thing. Um, so it will become a gimmick sort of play, very much like a flea flicker or or something along that line. That oh wow, that's interesting, uh, but it is not always successful. In fact, it's got about a fifty percent chance of success. Um, and I think that's kind of how it will work. Ultimately, I see it a lot. I see it being utilized as a lot of cross-field kind of things. So I roll my quarterback out to the right. I throw across the field to a running back on the left, who then throws across the field to a receiver on the right. So you get the defense moving uh, laterally a lot in one play, and you hope that it will open up a running lane for that eventual ball carrier to kind of pick his way through. I I think that's what will most likely be the use for that. Ultimately, I'm like you. I'm going to need to see it before I decide how I feel about it because I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure I don't, but I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I like it right now. It seems like a gimmicky kind of thing to me. I think you both are correct. That sounds very gimmicky, and it sounds like social media, like, something that you would see on Twitter or something that you would see in the newsreel, like, oh my gosh, look at this, how many times they passed, and you know, like a last-ditch last effort to try to get some points. So I see it very gimmicky, very social media. At least yeah, it's but- only one. They don't like, <laughs> they put a limit of only one extra pass. Right. You know. So- but gimmicky things have their place in football. The Flea Flicker, the Philly Special, um, these are all gimmick plays that we like. Uh, the Hail Mary. I don't know That's if I'd consider that a gimmick. Play. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's certainly like a last resort when you, yeah, I don't know. The hook and lateral, the annexation of Puerto Rico. These are all, yes. <laughs> uh, these are all trick plays. Uh, the Statue of Liberty play. Uh, so those are some of the rule changes. Those are the main rule changes that you're going to see in the XFL over the NFL game. Uh, some of them I really love. Some of them I'm not sure about yet. Man, that tiered extra point system is just genius to me. I can't believe uh, that we don't play football that way all the time. Like, that's the way it should be done. I'm thinking the bookies in Las Vegas are going to have a field day with all those opportunities and chances. Well, yeah, because there's no general yeah. 
score that you can, you can't you know, automatic no. say, oh, he's going to go for this. He's going to go yeah. for that. So I think the bookies are going to have a heck the of a point time. favorites. They, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting point. Yes. So the XFL is coming. It is just days away. Um, we've got the Super Bowl between now and then, but pff, who cares about that? Uh, we mm. get to we get to enjoy football in San Antonio, professional football in San Antonio in just less than two weeks' time. That's exciting. Yeah. On that subject, real quick, I did reach out earlier today and asked a question to a league representative and said, hey, any updates on the parking situation beyond yeah. what we've already been told that we can release today? And uh, I was told the answer that I thought I'd get because, I mean, it's really and truly outside of the XFL and the San Antonio Brahma's hands. This is all on when it comes Alamo to parking. Dome. It's totally on, on the Alamo Dome. They said, nope. No updates. Still working. Still working that out. Trying to get that from the Alamo Dome. Uh, we're hoping that we can make an official announcement uh, as early as tonight, which oh, is wow. Monday night when we're recording this. For those of you listening to us on Wednesday, so you may already know by the time you're hearing this. But it sounds like I mean, obviously they they have to announce something soon. I can tell you from past experiences with the Alamo Dome. Expect expect the price to be 20 bucks a vehicle at least. Yep. Um, that's probably what it's going to be. $20. It might be higher. I don't know. Um, expect to pay for multiple spots. If you're using multiple spots, they're not lax on that at all. They do walk around. And if they see that you only have a ticket for one uh, parking spot and you're taking up two, they will force you to go and pay for a second one. Um, and as they've announced, you know, previously, uh, gates will open uh, for the parking lot will open. What was it? Six hours before the doors open to the dome and the domes uh, doors will open 90 minutes before kickoff. Right. Yeah. That's and parking like lot B is the place to be. Yes. Parking lot B. And I will add that the Brahma mamas are having a community event that with the San Antonio food bank. So um, they're going to be having two of those big bins in, right by the tailgating. So as soon as you come in, you pay for your ticket and you drop off a non-perishable food. And also for those who are not tailgating, there's going to be two of those big bins at the entrance of the Alamo Dome. So please help the Brahma Mamas and please help the San Antonio Food Bank. As you, we all know, food has become extremely expensive. So that means that this is our opportunity for the Brahmas and the Brahma Mamas to come together. And even the Battle Hawks, this goes out to them if they're listening. Bring a non-perishable food item so we can help the community of San Antonio. Excellent. Well, we're excited about Brahmas football. I want to take one more break, and then when we come back, I want to talk just a few minutes about Gunslingers football. Oh, yeah. Um, because there's stuff to talk about, namely... Um, that cheerleaders, sure. Oh. Well, there's that, <laughs> okay. uh, and our friends over at Inside the Walls recently uh did some power rankings. I want to talk a little bit about that, um, and I'll have some information for you. Mainly, is our head coach 
as good as we think he is? Uh, I'm going to say yes. The guys that inside the walls, I don't think agree with us. But we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, You're listening to the Smoking Guns Podcast. We'll be right back right after this. Smoking Guns Podcast, Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, R.C. Woods, fresh off her podcast tour around San Antonio. Uh, we, we've been talking Brahma's football for good reason, because it is right around the corner. Uh-huh. But there's more to talk about than just the Brahmas. We there also is. have the San Antonio Gunslingers. Uh, Gunslingers' yeah. schedule is set. Uh, we can start talking trash any day now. And apparently, our buddies over at Inside the Walls, that's Jim Murnay and Zach Kalman, um, have released their first episode doing some power rankings of like position uh, uh, groups. So the quarterback room, um, all of them, both them and Mason Espinoza, who used to be a quarterback for the uh, Columbus Lions, who's now on their show. I'll put us in the second or third slot for quarterbacks. They love that we have Jonathan Bain. They are concerned because we do not currently have a backup behind Jonathan Bain. And you know what? I've got to call that good. Um, th- that That's fair. Jonathan Bain is one of the best quarterbacks in the NAL. But the yep. fact that he doesn't have a backup is concerning. So I, I can't disagree with them on any of that. I'm sure that's being worked on. Yep. Mm -hmm. However, they have, I'm not sure they talked about it on their show, but they, they may be talking about it this week on the episode, but they released a graphic just before we started talking of their head coach rankings, power rankings in the NAL. Remember, there are only seven teams in the NAL. Mm -hmm. That is going to become important. Because the San Antonio Gunslingers, in all three of their head coach power rankings, are number four. Which means we are the bottom half of the league. We are the top of the bottom half. But we are the bottom half of the league. There are three other teams, as far as they are concerned, whose head coaches are better than Fred Shaw. I ask you two, who have been watching this league with me for the last year, is that right? Is doesn't that even make accurate? sense. It doesn't even make sense to me. Who are they? Who do they rank number one? Maybe I uh, should go with that. I'm pulling it up right now so that I can give them the proper, uh, you know. So they all have um, the Sharks, the Empire, and the Cobras ahead of us. Now, the new Sharks head coach was the Cobras head coach last year. And it was a big get for them. I think that's right. Or was he the Columbus Lions coach? I'm sorry. I think he was the Columbus Lions coach last year. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, um, the Albany Empire coach is the two-time uh, back-to-back champion of the league. Mm-hmm. So it seems fair to have the Albany Empire ahead of us. But I just, I feel like Fred Shaw, even after winning uh, head coach of the year last year in the league, is not really getting his due here. Uh, he is fourth among seven teams. 
the West Texas Warbirds, who have not played a single down Nada. in the NAL, are right behind him at five. And I don't even I know. Just, I don't even I know don't who their head coach the logic. is. I don't understand the logic. So I'm not sure what they're smoking over and inside the walls. Look, Jim Murnay, especially, is a big Jacksonville Sharks fan. Like he, they build themselves as a as a podcast that does the whole NAL, and they do the whole NAL. But uh, he's a big Sharks fan. So is it odd that he puts the Sharks head coach, Jason Gibson, I believe is the Sharks head coach now, at number one? Yeah. Uh, Oh, he didn't put him at number one. He actually put the Albany Empire at number one and the Sharks at number two, knowing that we would give him a hard time if he put his Sharks above the head coach, the the, uh, two-time champion coach. Uh, If we had side effects right now, I'd be playing that Papa Shark. Shark, shark, right? Yikes! Don't, don't do it. <laughs> We're not doing no baby shark. Thank goodness you don't. <laughs> so that was just interesting. Hey, go listen to Jim and Kyle and Mason over on the Inside the Walls podcast. They do great stuff, and we like them. And they're buddies of ours. Go listen and give them some of your time and keep up with what's going on in the NAL. This week, or last week, actually, they had a lot to talk about as they started off their show because they talked about the return of the Arena Football League. Yeah, just real quick before we move to that, and I know we're going to talk about that. That's yes. very interesting. But I did want to say, as far as as far as that goes and, and what they think about Coach Shaw or where they rank him, that's fine. Let them hate. Let them put them wherever, you know, let them rank the gunslingers wherever they want. I actually think Coach Shaw prefers it that way. Sure. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's just an, a, another thing for him to kind of st- stash away and prove him wrong. And uh, I, I think I think that's exactly how he'd prefer it. So I agree. That's fine. I agree. So we found out last week there was a big announcement that the Arena Football League That's right. The Arena Football League is coming back in 2024. It was kind of a surprise. Um, We've heard heard rumors and rumblings, but uh, they took to Twitter and announced that they would return to, to the field, to the arena, as it were, in 2024. And then things got dicey. Because in that same announcement, they announced they would return to the arena in 2024 with 16 teams. Wow. 16 teams in a new league that has not existed for five years. That's a lot of teams. That's a lot. The big jump. The National Arena League has attempted for the past five years to hold indoor football games. They had six teams last year. They have seven this year. Well, we had eight at one point, didn't we? We did, and then Columbus jumped ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Columbus Lions jumped ship. So, as I got to thinking about how bold that was, because that's a really bold thing to say, is we're going to take the field in our first season with double the teams that we should ultimately shoot for to start a new league. I think eight is the perfect number. 
to start a new league. It's big enough that you play everybody a couple of times. Maybe it's small enough that you can maintain um, and, and get started with. But eight, but 16 is twice that. I do not I think... Do what? I think it's a mistake. I think maybe they should do it strategically and two a year, two a year. But so, doubling it is it's too much. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is a mistake if that meant, and I think it's important to note that they did not say this, if they meant 16 new franchises, that would be very difficult. Impossible. Disaster. I'm going to use the word those? impossible. What markets are disaster. there? Yeah, 16 markets? I, I can't even... Brand oh. new ones? No. Yeah. However... There are three indoor football leagues as things stand right now. The National Arena League, the Champions Indoor Football League, and the Indoor Football League. The IFL, the CIF, and the NAL. If their plan is to invite the best of the best of those three leagues over and create 16 teams out of the best of those three leagues... That starts to make sense. Like have a combine and everyone just goes and tries out? No. You just invite the franchises that are successful. Uh-huh. And you lure them away from their their current league. So you call the Albany Empire. Hey, you've won two championships in a row in the NAL. We think it's time you step up into the granddaddy, the one that started the indoor game. Mm-hmm. We're starting the arena league, the arena football league back up. It's time for you to come home. Because the uh, the Albany Empire started as an arena football league team, an AFL team. As did the Jacksonville Sharks, the Orlando Predators, the Arizona Rattlers of uh the indoor football league, I believe. Um So I really think the Arena Football League, if that's what they're wanting to do, the AFL, they are not thinking about starting 16 new teams. That would be impossible. That would be nearly impossible. I think what they are doing is they are going to look very closely over the next year, gather some data, and then invite the teams that they want to be a part of this new venture into their league from those three leagues, which means I think two of those leagues cease to exist because once the NAL loses three teams in a seven team league, you don't have a league anymore. They're out. Yeah. I mean, you got to fill those spots. Who are you going to fill them with? So here's my question. Do we, as San Antonio Gunslingers fans, say we are part of the NAL, they have been good to us, because they have for the most part. Yeah. We have enjoyed this league. We would like to stay part of the NAL and see no harm come to it. Or do we vie to be one of those franchises that when they start making those invitations, we say... We want to be part of the new Arena Football League, which serves us better as fans of the San Antonio Gunslingers. Well, in my opinion, 
that that depends um, on two factors. Depends on one, what are the other teams in the NAL doing? Because if you stick with the NAL and and they jump ship, and you, now that becomes a sinking ship, you know, uh, because you don't have the competition there uh, that you had previously, and you don't have those those organizations. Say say Albany and like the Carolina Cobras, uh, the Sharks, they jump ship, and and Gunslingers stay. I mean. What is that? What does the NAL become then? You know, right. losing that much—that's uh, a big hit. Um, so, if all teams agree to agree to stay, um, then I think yeah, that's that's uh, something to consider, and and probably the likely uh, outcome is is to remain with the NAL. Um, if they jump ship, though, then you probably want to jump ship as well, uh, so you can be one of those 16 organizations in this new, you know, premier, bigger uh, indoor football league. Uh, But the other factor is, and that's probably what the owners of some of these franchises are considering, um, the owners of the franchises, is who is this ownership group that has taken over the Arena Football League and is, is starting all this fuss? You know who who are these? It's it's uh, some sort of uh, uh, association. It's a group, but no names have been mentioned, uh, at least in any of the uh, publicly released uh, articles. Uh, I don't see anything that that gives any mention of individuals or who these people are. Um, so, the I, only- I think that that's something you really really have to look at strongly. The only individual we've seen mentioned is uh, they've already tabbed their commissioner, um, and the name is escaping me right now. He will be the first African-American commissioner of a major sports league. Lee A. Hutton III. That's the only name that's been released. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's the F1 Sports and Entertainment Investment Group. Sure. Oh. Anybody could make up an investment group, right? Right. You right. know who 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 is who are those people that and you have the smoking guns investment, group. right? In fact, yeah, we I, should. We should. <laughs> Let's look well, into that with all I, the I millions look, that we have. I look at it as a business proposal. You you see it all the time with different restaurants, different companies. They try to grow big too fast, you know, and they don't have a. Uh, a solid business plan. And then our choice thing as the gunslingers depends on other people's choices. So if there's seven teams and four decide to stay, does it make sense to stay? Obviously not. You go where there's going to be more competition. Again, I don't like having a choice being dependent on other people's choices. But I I don't know. I do not think we need to turn into chicken little here the sky is not falling right um because even if the alafl comes in and robs these three leagues of a certain number of franchises and we are not one of those we are still a strong enough and viable enough franchise that we will find a place in a league um so what would happen 
They come and they take three or four teams from the IFL, three or four teams from the NAL, a few teams from the Champions Indoor Football League. They make a league out of those. Two of those leagues would probably cease to exist, but the franchises from those would then go into that third league that stays, that remains, and would become part of that league. So it's not like the gunslingers are going to be left out in the cold and we may lose gunslinger football because of all of this. That's not happening. The only reason we would lose gunslinger football is if the owners aren't making enough money to make it viable, which means we've got to show up, we've got to be involved, we've got to put our dollars into it like we've always had to do from the beginning of the gunslingers to ensure its survival. But it will have a place. My question is, I guess a question of, is there such thing in the pro, in the indoor football market right now? Can you afford loyalty? Can you afford to be loyal and say, this is our league and this is where we're staying. And I want to submit to San Antonio fans, San Antonio Gunslingers fans, both current and future, that in the current arena market, there is no such thing as loyalty. And there hasn't been for a while. You go where it makes the most sense for you, and this year that may be the NAL, and next year that may be the AFL or the IFL. Um, You go where it makes sense. Uh, I have liked the NAL as a whole, and Mm -hmm. I would be perfectly fine staying in this league for a few more years. But if the AFL is coming along and they're going to put together 16 teams and run a big league like they once had that had TV deals and video games and all of the things that the AFL had, I would like to be a part of that. And if that means leaving the NAL, I will always cherish the time that we had here, but I would love to see this grow and continue to grow and become something uh, even bigger. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I'm just skeptical. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's very bold to come out and make that announcement with 16 teams. That's a lot of teams. It is. A lot. It's, it's very bold to come out and just out of nowhere, just make this claim and then not tell us who you are. Right. Uh, a Google search of just just so you know, a Google search of F1 sports entertainment returns a whole lot of stuff about Formula One racing. Right. <laughs> you know, that's oh, what not, I would expect. Yeah. Not not the, the F1 sports and entertainment group. There's one thing that comes up, which is their Twitter account. And if you go and look at the Twitter account of F1 sports and entertainment and very top pinned uh, tweet on there is is a, a video of of the Albany Empire. Uh, a clip from an Albany Empire game. So hmm, foreshadowing there. I don't know. Uh, but the account was uh, created January 2023 and has a, a 118 followers. So not many. Um, not many. Doesn't doesn't tell us a whole lot about this group. And, and in fact, kind of tells us that this is a very new uh, group and yeah, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I want to see more. So, If it is legit, the Arena Football League was a thing. Like, was a, a true... It was. 
big deal at one time. And if they can rise to that again, I want my team to be a part of it. I'm not going to lie. Like I want to be a part of that. If that's what is in store, like you, I don't want to take any brass nickels. Um, but if that's what they're headed toward, I would love to see the gunslingers be a part of that. Well, let me ask you this to stir the pot. If you are a player for the gunslingers, and you had an opportunity to go to this other new league with 16 uh, uh, teams or go up to the XFL because now San Antonio will have that stepping stone. Which one would you choose if you were a player? XFL. Well, yeah, XFL, but it's not up to the player themselves. They, they've, they've got to, they've got to be invited. They've got to be, but, but to your point, yeah, XFL is a step over any indoor football league or right. football league as far For as sure. the talent level. And any player wants to play against the best possible talent they can, they can play against. So if, if you're comparing indoor football leagues with indoor football leagues, and this is something real and becomes real and, and teams start moving and they're, you know, they're the more established organizations in indoor football, then yeah, absolutely. As a player, that's where you want to go as well. Um, so there's that added aspect of it as well, where if let's say, let's say NAL teams stay, but other, you know, they, they start building from other well-known and established organizations. Yeah. Maybe players could start being poached. Right by the AFL because it's it's the bigger, more competitive league because they've got sixteen teams and so right. forth and the name recognition that that could become a thing. Yeah, there's a lot involved. It really is. Uh, there's certain things that uh, you know I would not change. Uh, you know, if the AFL came in and said, "Hey, we love your franchise, we love your market, we love what you guys are doing in San Antonio," we're not because of political leanings of our nation uh we're not in love with the whole gunslingers branding would you consider changing that i'd be like nah you know what indoor football it rocks yeah um we're good we're we're good right where we're at um i really like the branding i understand that it's problematic for some people uh and i don't blame them like i'm fine if you don't like it because you don't like guns okay that's your call um, I don't see it as problematic and I'm okay with losing a certain percentage of people who find it that way because I think it just fits very well. I think it connects very well with mm-hmm. our market, with sense. who we are, and it's just beautiful. Like I, our logo is what this, this logo is one of the best that I've seen. Uh, I like the Brahma's logo a ton. Of course, the Dallas Cowboy star is clean and iconic iconic <laughs> it's a rating one star that's it that's um, all you get. but the gunslingers uh logo is just it's just beautiful i think hector garcia knocked it out of the park yes. when he created yes. the gunslinger logo yeah totally kudos to him for putting for because we know he created this logo and yeah, yeah it's it's, um, it's pretty awesome. And if that were a condition, like we want you to be a part of the AFL, you're going to have to change your branding. Mm-hmm. Um, and and oh, owner and the ownership called me and said, "What do you think?" They wouldn't, but if they did, I'd be like, "I, ah, you know what? Uh, I'd love to be part of the IFL and be the Gunslingers over uh, going to the AFL and having to be the San Antonio Force or whatever we would have to be." You know, <laughs> like I, I no, I'm good. Gunslingers is great. 
Um, that's just me. Like, there's certain things that I just wouldn't, you know, uh, would rather see us keep. Okay, I keep that. What if and, they said and the cheerleaders? Be... Oh, <laughs> I think they're gonna have cheerleaders in any league. I don't. I don't imagine there's a league out there that's like, oh, by the way, no cheerleaders. No we, cheerleaders. We, we Hello, like we that. don't have any cheerleaders for the Brahmas. Well, that's that's different. This is a an upstart. Yeah, that's 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 on well, the subject we talked about about earlier. The extra mm, stuff. Well, but I, you know, the uh, gunslingers have a a a cheerleading group, and and they, they were very entertaining last weekend. season. Yeah, they had tryouts this weekend. Did you go? And did you try out? No, I no, I did not go, and I did not try. That was just the the you had to learn the dance. So I'm going to the next one. Oh, okay. I have a call in from April, and I I believe I will be a judge for that second session. April Steubing, I believe she is handling game operations this year. Yes. yes. And uh, Carlos Felix, of course, general manager, he's handling the on-field operation side of things. I think they are tag-teaming this venture, if I heard correctly, and I could not be more excited. I think what Carlos has done up to this point gives me no reason to be worried about our... uh, I mean, bringing in Jonathan Bain. When you're not sure, you're still not sure what what Robert Ken is going to do. You go out and you get arguably, like, the second best quarterback. You could even argue the best quarterback in the league. Um, I'm good. You're good. I'm good with you. You know, that's doing the right thing. That's Jerry Jones going and getting Patrick Mahomes. Like I'm good. I'm okay (laughs) with that. Um, And April Steubing uh, and her whole crew, like all of them. The best. Um, But April was absolutely awesome last year uh, as they took over and really put something special into the off the field part of game game operations. I can't wait to see what Marketing, they're going to do this year. Fan interaction, yeah. all of that. Yeah, the fan interaction side of stuff was so amazing. Perfect. And uh, April, and the fact that she can lean on her uh, her husband to design some amazing t shirts and graphics and. Uh, you know, Jordan can do all of that stuff for her. I, I'm very excited to see Merch what they're going to put together. I yeah, still wear my sp- Selena uh, shirt. Speaking of merch, did you see the announcement on, on Facebook recently about jerseys and who is going to be making the uh, the jerseys for the fans, the fan jerseys? Or oh. No, I missed yeah. that. No, who, who's making them? Let's check out the logo on your the jersey you're wearing right now. Is it Triple S? That's awesome. Yes. Yes, so, they made an announcement on so, their their Facebook that that they had come into they had reached an agreement with the gunslingers. I need to go back and and like that and just love that because those of you who don't know for whatever reason if you haven't been following the the Triple S brand that did the gunslingers jerseys last year uh is a project of some of the OG3 groups. Yes. And so the fact that they are still connected in whatever way and and still active and involved as part of the gunslingers even if it's just uh providing jerseys and uniforms like that's awesome that they're still connected and involved that the relationship still exists between the current ownership and the you know because there's another way that could have gone where we're mad and we don't like you and they the fact that they're able to put all that aside and say hey let's still do business together um, is yeah. really really cool, really cool. a cool thing. Um, if that is the case, I'm I'm in love with that. Um, 
And you can go order your custom Gunslinger jerseys. jerseys right now, which I have yet to do yet because I have one. I, have I a got mine. Five. Do you? Number five. I got mine. Did you get a Kali Rashad or did you get a Yamas? I Absolutely. Since I could customize it however I wanted, I'm like, there's no other jersey I want in the world right now more than a Kali Rashad jersey. I don't want another. I don't want a jersey that says Yamas on the back of it or, <laughs> or anything else. So, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I am. And thank you, Kali. I reached out to Kali and I said, hey, I want my jersey to be exactly like your game worn jersey. So please make sure I have this right. Should the nameplate read Rashad or Rashad Sr.? And if it's Rashad Sr., does it have a period or not? Just right. SR. And, and he laid it out for me. He goes, You're absolutely correct. It should say Rashad Sr. Last year, I think it was his away jersey had Rashad Sr. His home jersey only had Rashad, but he said that was an error. And he goes, it should be Rashad Sr., no period. And I was like, I reached out by email to to the gunslingers after putting my order. I was like, make sure it says Rashad Sr. I want it to be exactly (laughs) like Kali's jersey because that's what I want. I want a Kali Rashad jersey. That is excellent. Yeah, go order your jerseys. Get excited about April 8th. When they are in the Freeman Coliseum, opening up the season against the Carolina Cobras, the storylines for that game just write themselves. The last time those two teams played in that building, it was a game for the ages. Jonathan Bain is now a gunslinger quarterback when he led the Cobras last year. Like There are so many storylines around that game to open the season. Yep. I really, really, really want to make the case to be able to get up to San Antonio and be there in the building for that game. The only problem is that Uh-oh. it happens to fall on Easter weekend, and that's kind of a busy time in kind the life of? of a pastor. Of course. <laughs> so I don't think there's any way I'm going to make it. I can't. You can't call in sick on Easter Sunday as a pastor. They can don't you allow pray that. for That's a bad Can you idea. pray for a weather day? That, no, we we will we <laughs> will know? celebrate Easter whether it's or a no. rain or shine event. I think. Right? Yeah, kind of oh, so. Right. Um, just thought I'd it's ask. sort it's sort of a big deal around the church, <laughs> and so I just don't know if it's going to be possible for me to make it. If I'm not there, I will be there in spirit, and I will be glued to my 58-inch TV watching every minute uh, of that game because I'm just so excited for Gunslinger football to be back. Um, I'm really excited about what this season holds with the uh, ownership group with April and Carlos in charge. And I can't imagine that with a whole offseason that they're not really just going to blow us away as fans Mm -hmm. with how amazing that whole thing is going to be. Anything else, gunslingers or Brahmas or football-wise? Hey, there's a Super Bowl in a few days. Uh, Watch it, I guess. Um, go. We're having a party, but minus the deviled eggs. Eggs are too expensive. Yeah. Go <laughs> meteor that hits the stadium and knocks both teams out, I guess. Oh, um, no. that's, that's, yeah, I, that's who I, I'm cheering for. I, I don't care much for that. Pa- apologies to friend of the show, Chris Aranda, who's a, a, a really big Philadelphia Eagles fan. I hope your team wins. I'm rooting for them. I don't I'm know if I'm Eagles. rooting no. enough for them that I'm going to watch the game. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I haven't made up my mind. I'm leaning towards 
doing something else though. But I do have if you have something, go go for it, RC. But I do have something Brahma's related uh that I wanted to to just uh mention real quick. But go ahead, RC. I would just say I'm excited that the two brothers are in the Super Bowl and there's two African American <gasps> quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean uh, I can't What's Look, his Travis name? The and Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Yeah, tra- uh, it's hard to not like them. They are really likable people. Uh, no, they're and not. Not not. Yeah, not, they are. No, not 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 the Ch- Kansas City Chiefs. Kelsey, that guy is a oh. Okay, I, I'm. Uh, that's my Broncos fan coming out of me. I, just, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I I apologize. I, I won't. I won't say anything more about the. Poor Kelsey guy, but ugh. <laughs> yeah. <it> <laughs> so there's a Super Bowl coming up. There's <laughs> lots of coaching stuff moving around. Are you happy, Leo? Happy about what? Sean Payton. Are you Are you super oh. excited? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy because we didn't we didn't give away what the initial you know want by the New Orleans Saints was was the two right. first round draft picks in yes. essence. In essence, they they gave up half a season of Bradley Chubb and a second rounder because that's what we got that first round pick for right. Bradley Chubb midway through the season, um, and and uh, and then you know we gave up a second rounder and got their third, so very minimal, I think. And uh, it was a half a season exchange. with Bradley Chubb that was not going to make a difference. Like no, by, the, by that point of the season, absolutely. None whatsoever. So you know, I, I, I'm I'm happy with the compensation. Um, I, I'm already happy with uh, some things that are being said by Sean Payton, but I didn't expect anything less. You know, he's already taken some some jabs at the at the previous uh, uh, regime. Uh, he he said uh, it, it was uh, it was actually just uh, released today in, in the Denver area media that um, one. No extra coaches just for Russell Wilson quarterbacks, co- specific <laughs> coaches. Yeah, like I he said, that. I, that's never been a part of what I've done in the past. I, I don't, I don't see the need for that, and it's not going to happen. And then the other thing he said, which I loved, was the Denver fans will not have to be, will not have to count out the play clock for me either. <laughs> because I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the season, that's exactly what the fan base at the game had to do <laughs> because so, they had no clue where the clock was at, which is ridiculous. So Sean Payton is an interesting uh, thing. I'm not a fan. Anybody who knows of Mike McCarthy, um, I've just not been a fan of him as the Cowboys head coach. So last year when Sean Payton left the new Orleans Saints. I really thought, and I was very excited about, okay, we got one more year of Mike McCarthy, and then we're going to fire Mike McCarthy, and we're going to go after Sean Payton. There were some moments where we could have had Sean Payton earlier on in his career. In fact, he was here for a little while as an offensive coordinator. And so I was very excited about that last year. But over the last year, I have almost decided that Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton are (laughs) awfully similar. Mm. And... I'm not sure Sean Payton isn't just Mike McCarthy rewarmed. Um, I don't know. And if that's the case, I, I that. hope that's not true for your uh, Broncos. But if he's, you, he's if you ask ten if you ask ten NFL coaches or executives, some some someone around the NFL, 
if you ask 10 of those, if Mike McCarthy was a Hall of Fame coach, how many of those 10 would say yes? Not and many. then ask that same question about Sean Payton and how maybe many of those two, 10 would say maybe yes? Maybe three. Maybe two or three. I, I, I think it might be even a little bit more than two or three, but you know, certainly not nine, but you know. Not nine, no, but four or five. But yeah, so I, I, I can't go that far and say they're they're the same. But we'll see. Uh, I got super excited that my Cowboys got rid of Kellen Moore. I have also not been a fan of his. Only to find out that A, Mike McCarthy is going to play the call the plays. Nope, don't like that. Uh, <laughs> and they hired a new offensive coordinator. I wanted them to get somebody young and innovative and creative. And they got Brian Schottenheimer. Nope, don't like that. Um, so we got rid of Kellen Moore, which I was excited about, and then immediately made two decisions in that same position that I was like, well, that robbed all my joy of maybe having things better next season because I don't believe in Brian Schottenheimer. He's been an offensive coordinator before. He has never, maybe one time he's had a top 10 offense, and that's not saying much. Like top 10 means you're in the top third of the league. He's one time had a top 10 um, offense in the years he's been an offensive coordinator. I'm just not impressed with Brighton Schottenheimer or his play calling. He's not going to be calling the plays. He's going to be putting the offense in motion. It very much feels like another uh, Mike Nolan hire to me. Uh, Who got another job? Did you see that Mike Nolan is going to be the head coach of the Michigan Panthers? Uh, Yeah, I did see that. He, he replaced Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Fisher. Just woke up one day and Fisher. decided I'm done with that. And <laughs> if uh, you want your so, team to go f- right around 500 in perpetuity, Jeff Fisher's your guy. He's your guy. All right. Well, yeah. that's well, NFL football. Uh, nothing to talk about in the college ranks. We've talked about the arena. We've talked about the gunslingers. We've talked about the Brahmas. And hey, go watch the Super Bowl. It's football. Um, you got you got to watch. It's I'll part of the thing. Probably watch it. Hey, one thing about Heinz Ward, real quick before we wrap yes. things up. Uh, one thing I noticed from that uh, coaching roundtable, probably insignificant, but for some it's not. Of the four coaches that were sitting there, he was the only one head to toe in his team's gear. Mm, had his Brahma's hat. Had his his Brahma's uh, hoodie, um, you know, he's always, I think every every picture, every video that I've seen out there on social media of him lately, he's decked out in Brahma gear. He's got his hat. He's got his his shirt or his his hoodie. He's got the, the yellow colored, you know, yellow and black colored uh, glasses, uh, the watch, you know, team color. Now, of course, you know, he probably has had those for some time now because of the team he was of previously course. on, you know. Black and yellow. Steelers. Yeah, but uh, he continues to wear that and continues to represent. And every interview he's ever been in, including this one, he mentions how highly he regards the city of San Antonio. That's true. So I think it's really refreshing to see that he's all in on this city. He's all in on this team. Um, and he likes to show it you know, and represent that wherever he's at, um, including what, how he's dressed. If you looked at the other coaches – some, I mean, a lot of Under Armour, which I'm sure it's because, you know, right, Under sure. Armour and The Rock and, you know, everything is there's a, a, that a marriage association there. But yeah. Um, 
but they weren't wearing team gear. And Bob on that Stoops subject, did have um, a, uh, a renegades uh, renegades sweatshirt. Yeah. But other than that, uh, uh, Wade Phillips was all XFL. Yeah. And, and, um, th- th- and that and was it. Terrell, so Terrell Buckley was just wearing black under and, armor. and black gray, under, yeah, armor. under armor. Yeah. Uh, so the hoodie though, that Heinz Ward was wearing an under armor hoodie, not available to us to purchase. You know, it's not there's currently no under available. Armor gear. What's that? Not currently available. Not currently available. But something I noticed, if you go and look at that video, if you look at the logo on the chest, it's the Brahma logo, but it has the black speckle like we see in the numbers and stuff. Yes. On the logo, it has that that little bit of an added feature on the logo um, that you. I went and looked at the XFL shop after that. I was like, wait, can I get a shirt or something that has the logo like that? And no, it doesn't exist anywhere except mm. except on except on Heinz Ward and. Uh, yeah, I want I want something like that. That'd be cool. It doesn't have to be anytime soon. I'm not asking, you know, <laughs> but I just think it's cool. It looks cool. Um, so I, that about Heinz Ward, kudos to him for being all in on this, uh, on the Brahmas and, and putting that out there wherever he goes. It seems like he's always representing. And I, I love that about him. Heinz Ward has a passion and excitement about San Antonio Brahmas football. We have passion and excitement about San Antonio Brahma's football. We have passion and excitement about our uh, San Antonio gunslingers. We are passionate about San Antonio football, and it is literally uh, right on top of us now. We're fixing to enjoy like six months of San Antonio football, uh, and that is so exciting because when it awesome. comes to when it comes to football. Whether it's the 100-yard variety or the 50-yard variety. Whether it's outdoors, in the elements, or inside the arena. When it comes to football, it turns out the 2-1-0 has got something to say. Bang, bang.